Come on, tell me, she cried. A voice answered her. You don't remember my name? Thanks a lot, Kyrie. Huh? It was a boy's voice, but she couldn't see anyone. I guess it can't be helped. Fine, I'll give you a hint. He kept talking, but static seemed to rise again. It starts with an S. Starts with an S. Kyrie was about to ask for more hints, but a light from somewhere pierced the darkness. It grew until it covered everything, bright enough to hurt her eyes, and then she fainted again. Namine, the sound of waves. Kyrie? Selfie was sitting at her, worried. Right. They were on a path to the beach. Kyrie let Selfie help her up, and she gazed at the ocean again. Kyrie? The islands floated on the water, and beyond them, the sinking sun. Hey, Kyrie. She began sprinting down the hill toward the beach. This is what we always did, running down the hill, through the dune grass onto the sand. We always ran barefoot, too. Kyrie. Selfie struggled to keep up, out of breath by the time she made it onto the beach. Without turning around, Kyrie took a small bottle out of her satchel. The bottle contained a piece of paper folded up tight. What's that? Selfie asked. With a tiny smile, Kyrie set the bottle into the water. The receding wave carried it away, and it began to slowly drift out to the sea. A letter. I wrote it yesterday to the boy I can't remember. I said that no matter where he is, I'll find him someday. And then, when I finished writing, I remembered we made a promise. An important one. The letter is where it starts. I just know it. She smiled, seeing the bottle bob atop the waves. Wow, Selfie said. I hope he gets it. He will. They both watched the bottle float away. It'll reach you. I'm sure of it. It starts with an S, Kyrie murmured. And then she raised her voice into the sea breeze. Right. Sora. Restoration. At 79%. Sora is coming back. At that, Axel looked up. The one who had spoken was number three in Organization 13. Then, Axel started, but bit down on the question he wanted to ask. Then what's going to happen to Roxas? It was an abruptly called meeting. He had suspected what it would be about. But there was no need to reveal his own agenda. So we have no choice but to destroy number 13. Number 7 pronounced coldly. Indeed, if it has no intention of returning to us, number three said. The others were silent briefly. So, we have to eliminate the traitor. Is that it? That was number nine, Vemix. Axel's eyebrow twitched. The words grated on his nerves. Actually, everything the others said infuriated him. The fact that the members of Organization 13 shared the same goal did nothing to make them close with one another. Some of them had been friendly back when they were human. Whether that made any difference to the others, Axel didn't know and he didn't need to know. For a member of the organization, there was only one goal, to obtain a heart. But just because we don't have hearts doesn't mean we feel nothing, Axel thought. We just know that we're incomplete somehow. When we were told that what we each lack is a heart, it made perfect sense. Because we definitely lack something, Axel, number one said. Axel stood in response to the rare occasion that their leader clearly addressing someone. You will eliminate Roxas. Keeping his mouth shut, Axel looked back at number one. Did you not hear me, Axel? No, I heard you perfectly. A smirk curled in the corner of his lips, and then he vanished from the hall. Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. Axel's gotta kill somebody. You don't wanna. Chapter 5, The Fifth Day. In the white room in the mansion, Naminé sat sketching quietly. Now, what to draw today? Oh, a tiny exclamation left her. As she looked up from her sketchbook. She heard something just now. A voice. Sora? It said. A hint of sorrow crept into her expression, and she focused on her sketchbook again. 
Then the door opened. Nominee. It was him standing in the doorway. He seemed a little out of breath. Unusual for him. But Nominee already knew why. You felt Sora. He had too many questions of his own to answer. What happened? I don't know. Oh. Nominee noticed that he had something in his hand. A blue crystal. What's that? It belongs to him. He held the crystal up to the light, making it gleam and sparkle. Him? Roxas. He tucked it into his back pocket and turned away. Did you go see Roxas again? I didn't see him. Naminé would have liked to know how he had taken something belonging to Roxas without seeing him. She asked a different question instead. Then did you run into anyone else? Anyone else. He turned to face her again. Who are you talking about? You'd know if you did. Don't worry about that, Naminé replied, looking at one of the drawings she had pinned onto the wall. It showed a chestnut-haired boy and a red-haired man both wearing black cloaks, if you say so. With that, he walked out. Why are he and I always shying away from talking about anything important? Namine wondered. We can never say what we need to say to each other. We still can't. Diz faced the screen in the computer room beneath the mansion. Sensing another presence, he turned. There you are. His progress is astounding. He gestured at the number on the screen. What happened? He asked, and took a blue crystal from his pocket and put it into the embroidered purse. He'd taken the other day. Nominee's encounter with Roxas put his heart in contact with Kyrie's, Diz explained. And then in turn, affected Sora, you see. Nominee, she's something else, he remarked, fidgeting with the purse. She wasn't born like other nobodies, Diz explained flatly. She can tamper with the hearts and memories of Sora and those aligned with him. Nominee was special. The darkness in one's heart could become a heartless. When it did, a nobody was born. But Namine had originated from a girl with no darkness in her heart. Her very existence was unique. But whose nobody is she? Diz smiled at the question behind his bandages. That's right. I haven't told him yet. I could tell you. But first, perhaps you could tell me your true name. He pulled back his hood. The features he revealed were gold eyes and silver hair. It's Ansem. Whatever answer Diz had thought he might receive, Ansem was not one of them. Such an answer could only be a jest, or so it sounded to him. <laughs> it's an honor, Ansem. As Diz went on chuckling, he drew his hood and left the room again. He was falling through endless darkness, falling and falling and falling forever. Roxas woke drenched in cold sweat. He felt a little better seeing himself at home in his own room. Just a dream, he mumbled under a huge sigh. Or was it? He'd slipped and fallen from the clock tower, and he couldn't remember what happened after that. But which parts were the dream? He couldn't tell dreams from reality. He dreamed of that girl again, and he'd seen her in town the other day. Now he wasn't sure what was real. Namine, Keyblade, Axel, Sora, Kyrie, Riku, Ansem. He listed all the names to himself. He'd met Namine. He'd battled using the Keyblade. He fought Axel. And then there was the man swathed in red bandages. And then the man in the black cloak. Kairi, the girl Sora liked. Riku, Sora's friend. Which parts had he dreamed? He didn't know. Roxas clambered out of bed and listlessly started to get dressed. Hainer and Pence and Olette, those three were his friends. And that was unquestionably real. So of course he had to go to their haunt. There were only three days of summer vacation left. And they hadn't been to the beach yet. Roxas left his room. A passing train rumbled above their hangout. Olette was arguing with Hayner, which didn't happen often. We've only got three days of summer left, shouted Hayner. 
Don't even talk about that assignment. But we agreed that we'd finish it today, didn't we, Roxas? She looked to him for support. Roxas was no help. Um, yesterday, didn't I fall off the clock tower? Olette flinched at the idea. You wouldn't be here if you did, Hayner said. Man, that was a close one, though. <laughs> Fence laughed. So he hadn't fallen? Roxas cocked his head. He was so sure he had. Or was that just another dream? Stop changing the subject, Olette scolded them. All right, then. Hayner stood up with a sigh. You win. We'll do the homework. Today's the day for the pain-in-the-butt independent study project. Roxas had completely forgotten that there were any vacation assignments. Until now. Only three more days, and then it was back to school. School? Wait, was I ever going to school? So any bright ideas for a topic? Hayner prompted. Roxas looked up at that. Maybe we could study the stuff that's been happening to me. You know, the dreams and those silver things. Hayner cut him off. Forget it. How come? Roxas protested. Pence and Olette exchanged glances. You know how things have been weird with you and around town since those photos got stolen? Hayner said. Roxas nodded. Tomorrow, everybody's going to search the town and find out what's been really going on, Pence said brightly. Lots of people are helping out, Olette added, giving Roxas a reassuring smile. That was the first Roxas had heard of it. All of that for me? Yeah, well, why wouldn't we? Hayner crossed his arms and puffed out his chest. A town-wide investigation for me? That makes me really happy. Everyone was thinking of him, after all. Noticing that Roxas looked a bit bashful, Pence spoke up. So there's this weird rumor going around. You want to hear it? A weird rumor, Olette said. Pence made a grim face for effect and went into a creepy, hushed voice, like an old woman telling a story at a campfire. You know, the stone steps at Sunset Station? We take them all the time without even thinking about it. But there's something very strange about them. You'll count a different number of steps going up than down. Seriously? Hayner blurted. And there are six more weird stories like that, Pence said in his normal voice. It's like the seven wonders of Twilight Town. We can investigate those for the project. Pence, you're a genius, Hayner gushed. Olette nodded too. There might even be more urban legends around, Pence added. Let's split up and look into it. Hayner dashed in the entrance. Okay, Olette and I will go find new rumors. Come on. Slow down, Hayner, Olette called, chasing him. That leaves you and me, Roxas, Pence said. Let's try the train first. To the station. Roxas nodded, and they left their hangout together at a run. Hey, I'm back. It has been almost two months since I recorded. I think this show isn't going to last much longer. I have a new microphone. I have a mixer. I've been streaming every day on Twitch, twitch.tv slash alonythebard, and uh, it's been a long time, so let's finish this chapter. Twilight Town had two train lines, the one that ran to the beach, and another local line that went through town. The other end of the local line was Sunset Station, over in the residential terrace. Here I go, Pence! Roxas hopped on a skateboard he found sitting outside, and took off for the station. Hey, Roxas, no fair. Pence tried to run after him. It had been a while, actually, since he'd ridden a skateboard. He liked the wind on his face as he zipped around the streets. When he thought about tomorrow, he felt better than he had in a while. Tomorrow, everyone would come out to help him search for the secrets behind all these strange things happening to him. Knowing that, he felt like not even all the dreams or those silver creatures could bother him. He sped through the city on a skateboard and waited in front of the station, for his friends to catch up. Took you long enough, Pence. Pence came running, breathing hard. 
his shirt soaked with sweat. Since he was a bit on the heavy side, he huffed and glared reproachfully at Roxas. Oh, sorry. Roxas did feel bad at that. He hung his head apologetically. Ah, uh, it's fine. Come on, let's get on the train. Pence smiled at him and climbed the steps of the station, then pulled the door open. Roxas followed him in. He was pretty sure that the local line had no fare. They continued up the step to the platform to find that the train of Sunset Station was waiting. And now we hunt for the Seven Wonders, Pence said in a creepy voice, grinning with anticipation. Not without us, Hayner announced, storming the platform with Olette. Whoa, you find new rumors already? asked Pence. Nothing on Market Street, Olette said. You twerps aren't going to scoop us. We're going to the terrace, too. Hayner jumped onto the train car. Olette looked exasperated. <sighs> Honestly, it's not a race, Hayner. It is now, Hayner declared, poking his head out. Roxas and Pence exchanged glances. I guess we're all going, Roxas said. Pence and Olette stepped onto the train with him. The familiar rumble of the train was relaxing, but Roxas usually heard it from outside rather than in. The four of them all sat apart, staring out the windows. The light from the lowering sun shone softly into the train car. It's so pretty, Olette said, and took something out of her pocket. Her yellow crystal, the one Roxas had given her from the struggle trophy. Smiling brightly, she held it up to the light, where it sparkled. Hayner and Pence followed suit and took out theirs. The crystals all glistened in their respective colors. Roxas stuck his hand in his pocket, but the crystal wasn't there. He couldn't find it anywhere. His blue crystal, where could he have put it? The others had theirs sparkling in the low sunlight. Roxas looked at them blankly. Come to think of it, he had lost something else like this. He had every reason to think he had. The photos, Olette's purse, and now his crystal. Why do my things keep disappearing? The moment the train came to a halt, Hayner jumped up. Come on, Olette, hurry. She paused to exchange glances with Roxas and Pence, then ran after Hayner. I say we take our time, Pence said blithely, stepping on the platform, and Roxas followed him. Sunset Station was on a rise, overlooking the neighborhood. The stone steps that led up to the slope were supposed to be one of the Seven Wonders. This is it, right? Stone steps that count differently going up and down, Roxas said, peering down the steps. Uh, actually, Pence grinned as he examined the steps. It's the stupidest thing ever, but... What? Roxas said. Pence started walking down them. The one who counted them was Rye, and he's like, Every time I count, it's different, you know? So there it is, he shrugged. If Rye was counting, he would get a different number every time. You mean he just counted wrong? <sighs> Roxas sighed. Pence nodded. Roxas slumped in disappointment. Huh, really? Hey, there's other weird stuff out there, Pence said. In fact, I thought Olette might bring it up for the school project, so I put them all on a map. Really, nice work, Pence. Pence unfolded a map, and Roxas leaned in to look at it. There were five spots in the neighborhood marked with an X. One was the steps they were standing on. What about the last two, Roxas said. I'll tell you after we investigate the first five, Pence smirked. He walked down the hall that led to the room where Sora slept. Pods lined the hallway, but only two were in use. He looked up at the two fast asleep inside, the king's loyal servants, Donald and Goofy. The others were all empty, though some of them showed traces of past use. But whatever had slept in them had nothing to do with him. He thought... Even though he sensed a powerful scent very similar to his own, he opened the door. Unlike the corridor, this room was full of serene white light. 
in the middle of the space, Sora was sleeping. Up until now, he hadn't been able to feel Sora without looking straight at him. Today was different. Today he had felt Sora all day. He could feel that Sora was returning to his heart. He wanted to see Sora awake and soon. But the way he was now, he couldn't look Sora in the eye. Maybe he could never let Sora see his face again. He felt like he hadn't truly met Sora again since that night. The night when their island was destroyed. Could Sora ever truly forgive him? He pushed back the hood of his cloak to show his silver hair and looked up at Sora with amber eyes. This form that he hated more than anyone. He had given his name as Ansem to Diz. It wasn't quite a lie. That's right. I am Ansem, the one who covered the world in darkness. His eyes remained fixed on Sora. Meanwhile, just like the stone steps, the other four wonders of Pence's map turned out to be nothing remarkable. The so-called friend from beyond the wall rumor came from the kids who would throw a ball and didn't realize it had bounced off a wall in the back to them. The so-called friend from beyond the wall came from the kids who, when they threw their ball, didn't realize it bounced off a wall back to them. And the moans from the tunnel had been Vivi practicing for the struggle. The report of the wiggling bag arose thanks to a dog who liked to climb into a bag and jump around. The mysterious doppelganger was actually one reflection in a street of water from a fountain. The mysterious doppelganger was actually one's own reflection in a sheet of water from a fountain. You know, if you actually investigate them, these wonders aren't exactly wonderful, Roxas complained with a sigh. <sighs> I know, I know, but the best one's going to be really good. Wonder number six, Pence said cheerfully, just as Roxas and Olette came running. They summoned their findings in rapid succession. We got another lead. The ghost train mystery, Pence shrugged. Yeah, everyone knows about Wonder Number 6. Well, I didn't, snapped Hayner, crestfallen that their hard-found scoop wasn't much of one. Where's the train run? Roxas asked Pence. They say you can see it from Sunset Hill. Sunset Hill at the end of the terrace was framed as the best viewing spot for Twilight Town's sunsets. Well, what's the mystery? Roxas wondered. They say that the train is empty, Pence said in his creepy voice again. No driver, no conductor. No passengers. Not a soul aboard. It comes at nightfall, Follette added. Let's go check it out. They nodded at Hainer's directive and headed for Sunset Hill. From up on Sunset Hill, they could see the sun sinking into the distant sea. To see the train's tracks, they had to go to the edge of a steep precipice, which was cordoned off with a low fence. If the rumors are true, it'll be here any minute, Hainer said, plopping himself down on the ground. Beside him, Roxas lay on his stomach, dozing off. Olette was stretched out of the ground, too, when Pence sat down with his legs extended in front of him. We've got to make it to the beach next year, Olette murmured, watching the sunset. Hayner leaned forward. Yeah, better get jobs the second vacation starts. Next year, right. Next year, there would be another summer vacation. This one was almost over, but they'd have next year to try again. Letting his mind wonder... Roxas found that the perfectly obvious fact cheered him up. Oh, look, a bunch of slackers. What are you even doing out here? The four friends turned at a sudden voice to see Cypher. What do you care? Hayner retorted, sounding enormously annoyed. I don't know. I don't. Tell me anyway. We're waiting for the ghost train, Pence said without a care in the world. Waiting for the ghost train? Pencer burst out laughing. <laughs> it was mean laughter and Roxas couldn't stand it. 
He got to his feet and glared daggers at Cypher. Why does looking at you always tick me off? Cypher remarked, cracking his neck. I don't know. Maybe it's destiny. Destiny, huh? In that case, let's be friends. Strangely, Cypher's expression softened. I don't feel like cooperating with destiny. When have you ever cooperated with anything? Aner said. Cypher brought his fist to his chest and cracked a smile, then turned away. Cypher! Alette called after him. I know. Tomorrow. Cypher waved without looking back at them and ambled off. Then from a distance, Roxas heard a train whistle. There it is! He cried, running up to the edge. Roxas? Aner said quietly from behind him. The train! It's here! There it is! There it was, slowly passing before him. Unlike the trains that went around town, this one was violet. He could see through the windows in the very front to where the driver should have been, and no one was there. It's true! The train plunged into a tunnel and disappeared from sight. There's really no one on board. Roxas whirled back to the others. What's the catch? There's got to be some dumb explanation, right? His friends didn't look at him. They exchanged glances at one another. Hainer seemed dubious. Pence a bit surprised, and Olette worried, and none of them said a word. So it's real, right? Let's go to the station. Roxas broke into a run. Slow down, will you, Roxas? Hainer chased after him, with Pence and Olette close behind. On a hill lit by a sunset glow, the man in a black cloak appeared from a cloud of static and silently trailed Roxas and his friends. When they ran up the steps to Sunset Station, Roxas was completely winded, barely even remembering to breathe. The violet train was stopped at the platform. Let's check out the inside. As Roxas lurched for the train doors, Hayner caught his eye. What's wrong? Um, you'll get hurt. Hayner was looking past him at the train, or rather, at the empty space above the track. Roxas looked back again and saw that there was no train. But, huh? What? It was just there. The train will be arriving shortly. The station announcement echoed over the platform. The train came in and eased to a stop. The doors opened and the passengers stepped out, including Fun and Rye. A train came in from the beach, and it didn't have a driver, right? Roxas said blankly. Let's go, Pence said, more for his own benefit than anyone else's. But you saw it, right? Come on. Beside them, Hayner shook his head and pushed Roxas towards the local train. Didn't you see it? Roxas protested. No. We didn't. Hainer's voice was low as he shoved Roxas aboard. The other train had never been there. Roxas was the only one who had seen it. The bell signaling departure rang, and Olette and Pence hopped into the train car, too. The train took them back to the center of town. None of them spoke during the train ride, nor as they disembarked at Central Station and walked outside. Finally, Hainer spoke up, trying to shake off the gloomy mood. Well, time to go home and work on the project. The rumors were all bogus in the end, Pence said with a worried glance at Roxas. We can still make it sound good if we write about all the work we did, Olette pointed out gently. Roxas stared miserably at the ground and murmured, But what about the last one, the, the seventh wonder? Who cares? Hainer snapped. Roxas ignored him. Come on, Pence, he said, approaching the stockier boy. Fine, whatever, Hainer angrily ran off. Olette started after him and then turned. Roxas? she said anxiously, but Roxas turned his back on her and stared pointingly at Pence. It's at the Haunted Mansion. <sighs> Pence sighed. The Haunted Mansion? Pence and Olette exchanged a look and followed Hayner. I don't get it. Why is everyone acting like this, Roxas thought. The train was there. It stopped at the platform. Does this really mean no one else could see it? Then why was I the only one who could? 
He didn't understand any of it. As the sun's red glow streamed over the plaza in front of the station, Roxas took off for the haunted mansion. Namine had finished her drawing of the red-headed girl in the middle of the sketchbook page. She set down her pastels with a small sigh and raised her head. The room was covered with drawings she'd done in the past. They were all scenes she had come to know from Sora's memory, even though she had nothing like that of her own. I have no memories of my own. It was no breeze, and yet she had sensed the curtains stirring. Namine stood. Peeked out from beyond the edge of the curtains, she saw three people outside. She quickly closed her eyes and thought of him, the one who was like another version of herself. Do I feel sorry for him? Then I should feel sorry for myself. No, there's no reason to pity me. I got to meet Sora, after all. But he... Something distorted the air in the white room. And then, Namine vanished. He ran all the way to the mansion, hardly pausing for breath. But there, it was as hushed as ever. Nothing was there. Nothing was going to happen. Roxas stared at the gate with the enormous lock. You know, a voice said from behind him. Roxas jumped. Huh, <sighs> Pence. It was his friend standing there. We were going to check out the mansion tomorrow. It's the most suspicious place, after all. Pence acted as if nothing at all was amiss. He was staring up at the house, too. Oh, right. Roxas hung his head, a little depressed to hear that yet another thing he'd missed. Even Cypher's gang is going to help. Surprised, Roxas looked up. Cypher? Yeah. <laughs> Pence laughed a bit awkwardly and shrugged. Hayner asked him, too. Roxas hadn't imagined that Cypher would help with all that. Actually, he hadn't imagined that Hayner would even ask him to. Looking at Pence's weak smile, Roxas began to feel bashful, and he turned back to the mansion. He could see white curtains fluttering in a second-story window. So, Pence, what are we looking for? Uh, well, they say there's a girl who appears in the second-story window, even though nobody lives here. Roxas stared harder up at the window. Roxas? Roxas! He thought he heard a girl's voice from somewhere. It was the girl, Naminé. Roxas. Roxas. He heard Pence's voice layered on top of hers. The world warped and twisted, but it didn't feel unpleasant like usual. Naminé was calling him. Naminé gazed down the long table. Roxas was gradually being drawn there, like a painting, although she wasn't sure that was the right word. But to say he was being painted into the room was closer to the truth than saying he was simply appearing. Naminé? He called her by name, and she replied with a silent smile. He seemed a bit startled as he scanned the room, and his eyes fell on a particular drawing. This is me? And that guy, Axel. It was Namine's drawing of Roxas and Axel, standing side by side. You're best friends, she said. Right, those two had been friends. Well, Axel believed they still were. Roxas was his only friend, and his best. And Axel was the same for Roxas, probably. Cut it out, Roxas shook his head. Don't you want to know the truth about who you really are? I would, Namine thought. If I were him, I'd want to know. Why was I created? Why am I here? I did want to know once. Well, no one knows better than me, Roxas retorted. Namine looked down. Of course. But I don't get what's been going on lately. At that, he pointed to one of the pictures on the wall. A drawing of Sora with Donald and Goofy. You know these three, don't you? Oh yeah, Sora, Donald, and Goofy, he murmured, examining the picture. They're from the dreams. Namine took in a big breath and slowly spoke. About a year ago, some things happened, and I had to take apart the memories chained together in Sora's heart. But now, I'm putting them all back, just the way they were. It's taken me a long time, but pretty soon, Sora will be his old self again. The process is affecting you now. 
You mean the dreams? Yes, you and Sora are connected. Directly behind Roxas, there was a drawing of him and Sora holding hands. Naomi's eyes fixed on it as she continued. In order for Sora to become wholly himself again, he needs you. Because Sora hasn't been whole since then, since the moment you were released from his heart. Me? What for, Roxas said. You hold half of what he is. He needs you, Roxas. Downcast, she thought. But who needs me? Naomi, who are you? She raised her eyes at him again. I'm a witch, with the power over Sora's memories, and those of the people around him. Roxas frowned. A witch? That's what Diz called me. But I don't know why I have this power. I just do. Not even sure that there's even a right way for me to use it. She shook her head. I don't know, I don't know much of anything for sure, but that's why she wanted to know how Roxas felt. What he would do. Yeah, can't help you there. Bewildered, Roxas smiled awkwardly. She couldn't help but smile back. They shared a few moments of quiet. Then, as if he couldn't bear to look at her for too long, Roxas turned his attention to the room again. Among the significant number of drawings tacked up on the wall, the ones of men in black robes got his attention. Namine noticed something about those men, tugged at his mind. But right now, probably didn't know any more about them than she did. It's funny. Suddenly, I feel like I don't know myself at all, Roxas said. I guess I would like to know. What do you know that I don't? You, Naminé raised her eyes and told him. You aren't supposed to exist, Roxas. His eyebrows grew tight. What? How could you say something like that? Even if it was true. Seeing him upset filled her with sorrow, too. When she said it to him was also true of herself. You and I, neither of us, were supposed to exist. Just like them. I'm sorry, Naminé apologized, looking away. I guess knowing doesn't make a difference. If Roxas didn't need to know, there was no reason for her to keep talking to him. The instant she fell flat, Roxas disappeared from the room. There's nothing more we can talk about. It's better if he doesn't know all this. I never wanted to, either. Roxas! Roxas! Hearing Pence's voice, Roxas twitched. Huh? He looked around and Naminé was nowhere to be seen. He was out in front of the haunted mansion. Did you see her? Pence demanded. The window! Roxas pointed at the second-story window, where the curtains were fluttering. He felt as if Naminé was watching him from up there, but he couldn't see her. Aw, weak. That's just the curtains moving. I bet it's drafty, because that place is falling apart. Yeah, Roxas nodded. That had to be a dream just now. I was never supposed to exist. Why would she say that? Well, let's head back to our spot. Hainer and Olad are waiting. Pence headed into the forest, and Roxas followed. Naminé, you aren't supposed to exist. Roxas glanced back at the mansion once more. There was no one at the window. He walked slowly through the mansion, the train. It really hadn't been necessary. He couldn't understand why. Why would Diz deliberately do something so uncalled for? There was a soft patter of footsteps behind him. He turned to see Naminé, miserably hanging her head, thin shoulders trembling. Naminé. She didn't look at him as she spoke, and her voice was barely audible. He realized that she might be crying. Your darkness belongs to you. You need it. What are you getting at? He took a step closer to her. The world needs darkness. Light exists because there is darkness. So what about us? Finally, she looked up at him. What about us? We are neither darkness nor light, Naminé mused. Why were we even born? Olette greeted them back at the hideout below the tracks. Hey guys, how'd it go? The true identity of the girl in the window is 
A curtain flapping in the wind was Pence's mock report. Roxas looked for Hayner, but he didn't seem to be there. Is he mad at me again? I figured it was something like that, Olette said. So the report's already done. All right, Pence jumped for joy. So, want to go find Hayner? He's probably at the station. Olette had noticed the way Roxas was looking around. She went up to him. You know, we only have two more days together. Huh? Something about the words felt that they carried some special meaning. Oh, right. Only two more days of summer vacation. School would be starting before they knew it. He paid a visit, not to the computer room, but to one of the rooms in the mansion. Since Sora's condition had settled, Diz didn't spend much of his time in front of the screen. Apparently, he had nearly finished with those documents he'd been typing up too. Why did you let him see the train? He asked. At the question, Diz raised his head with a hint of a smile. Because he missed the trip to the beach. Hmm, that's almost kind of you. Diz averted his gaze. Now what about you? Are the holes in your memory starting to fill in? Yes, the haze is clearing, he replied, and closed his eyes. What came to mind was that island, the sea, the sky. Sora and Kairi smiled in his memory. He sat down in a chair, facing Diz. The same thing is happening to everyone who had ties to Sora. Very soon, to them, he'd be like a good friend who was away for a year. Diz's eye winked as he gave a satisfied smile. I've been waiting, and now I want to know. What is it that you want? His eye wandered again. Revenge. He looked at the floor. He hadn't expected to hear that word out of Diz's mouth. Now, to wrap things up, Diz said, we must dispose of Namine. He frowned beneath his hood. She did a splendid job with Sora, but it's high time she disappeared. Roxas isn't the only one who was never meant to exist. Take care of it, Ansem. Making no reply, he remained unmoving. Atop the clock tower, Hayner nibbled at his sea salt ice cream and watched the setting sun. Tomorrow, we search the town, he said when he noticed the others had joined him, but he didn't look away from the sunset. The next day is the festival, Pence added, turning back to Roxas and Olette. The last day of summer, Olette cheerfully said. Don't remind me, it's already making me sick. Hayner dramatically rubbed his gut. From what I've seen, the culprit of that would be all the ice cream, Pence teased. Behind him, Roxas was watching his friends. Two more days of summer vacation. Only two days left for them to be together. Still, they had those two whole days. You were never supposed to exist. That was what Namine said to him. He wasn't supposed to exist. He was Axel's best friend. My best friends are Hayner, Pence, and Olette, right? The clock tower bells rang in an enormous clamor. He could hear a train whistle in the distance. Hayner and the others were chatting and laughing. And yet, it all felt like something happening far away. Roxas gazed at the lowering sun, still too bright, and tears sprang into his eyes. Two days left of summer vacation. Restoration at 98%. Well, it's coming along nicely. There are only two chapters left in the Roxas story. And I think that's where we're going to end this series. Sorry I haven't been super consistent lately. I've been doing a lot of streaming and stuff behind the scenes. The podcast is, we'll say, unsuccessful. Uh, not a lot of people watch this show, and I like doing it, but my love for doing it is kind of fading over time. I bought this book 
almost a year ago. Actually, over a year ago. I bought it a year and two months ago. Um, and I, I'm only a quarter through it because of this show. This show has kind of slowed down the process of finishing this show. Of like, of like reading this book all the way through. So I feel like the Roxas arc could be the end. Maybe not of I Hate Reading, but maybe of the Kingdom Hearts edition of this show. I might bring I Hate Reading back at some point to read other stuff. But I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you've stumbled across this after it's been done, or if you were watching along, I wish I could keep doing it, but I have a lot of other things I'm working on. And something's got to give. The D&D show will come back. There's still like 14 more episodes of that that are recorded. And I'm recording more every day. So that's not really going to stop. I don't know about the other shows. I want to do some of the other ones again. I want to do Talking at No One. I want to do Seven Questions. I'd love to do Testers and Jesters, but I don't think that's ever going to happen again. But I'm one guy, you know? And it's not easy to make podcasts and stream and make youtube videos i'm still struggling just to get my videos out it's been two months since i posted anything and i've been streaming every day and i love it it's hard to find that balance i know that i like streaming more because there's an audience there immediately and there's no deadlines you just do it and if you do it every day it's fine making videos on the other hand is a lot of work so i hope you enjoyed this i will see you next time with the sixth day as always, thanks for listening. Bye.